Nobody ever had a thought that came to them from out of the blue. Have a great stay here in Epcot, or wherever your final destination may take you. Here in Florida, we have something special, a blessing of size. There's enough land here to hold all the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. Hey, thanks for being such a great test crew. Come back and ride anytime. W And welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 395 for the week of February 15th, 2015. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, books, audio tours, and more. Whether you're planning your first vacation to the parks or love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there is something here for you. You can subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes and visit the website over at www.radio.com. And learn how you can help support the show and be a member of WDW Radio Nation, where you get extra content, benefits, and rewards like custom magic band covers, monthly scavenger hunts, backpacks, t-shirts, special call-in shows, care packages, and lots more. It's completely optional and a great way to help. You can find out more by visiting www.radio.com support. So join me this week as we take a detailed look at the history, details, and simple elegance of the Walt Disney World Railroad, starting with Walt and where and why his love of trains originated to the Disneyland Railroad and the fascinating creation and changes to the Walt Disney World version it's a grand circle tour around a true classic Disney attraction. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned for your voicemails and more announcements at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Attention, please. The Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. When we talk about quote unquote classic Walt Disney World attractions, what do we really mean? Are they ones that have been there the longest, ones whose popularity has stood the test of time? Maybe they have their origins in the original Disneyland, or maybe they even have a direct connection to Walt Disney himself. And few attractions in Walt Disney World fall under all of these requirements, and the one that may fit most closely is the Walt Disney World Railroad. So this week, we're going to take a very deep, detailed look at this truly classic attraction, its connection to Walt, the changes over the years, and much more. And joining me is a man who may also be considered a classic, although he may describe himself more as a relic. But if your bookshelf does not include some of his many titles, including the Vault of Walt series, Who's Afraid of Song of the South, The Book of Mouse, and others, then you are missing some classic titles from my friend, Mr. Jim Corcus. Well, it's... 
thank you so much, Lou. And, and yes, I am both a classic and a relic. I'm, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's getting to that point where uh, I'll be described as vintage or retro <laughs> at, at this particular point. But it, but again, uh, you know, what what great terms to be called when when you're a Disney historian and you're interested in history. So, you know, uh, those terms just naturally uh, uh, cling to you. And 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 what a great topic the uh, uh, Walt Disney World uh, Railroad one one of uh, uh, the favorite attractions for uh, uh, for many guests who who come to the uh, uh, Magic Kingdom now now Lou have you uh, uh, also ridden the uh, railroad at Disneyland as well How could you not right It's one of those things How can you not ride the railroad And, and I will tell you I am a huge fan of the railroad, and, and I understand why it's a favorite for some people, and, and I think sometimes when people say it's one of their favorites, they think it's odd, because when you think of, you know, classic or favorite attractions, you think of pirates and mansion and, and thrill rides, but there's something so simple, so elegant about the railroad, and, and I think it's a combination of the, the, the train cars and the sounds and the whistles and the colors and the atmosphere, which is always changing and it's in motion and it, it, it differs depending on when you ride. And it's one of those few attractions that, that's also a transportation system like, like the Disneyland monorail. And I think I just love the fact that it, it has so much history, not just in Walt Disney World, but with Walt and, and even the cars itself. And I think that's one of the reasons why I and so many other people like the railroad so much and have this very sort of heartfelt affinity for it. And and one of the reasons I asked whether you had ridden the Disneyland Railroad is because obviously the Walt Disney World Railroad was inspired by uh, uh, the Disneyland Railroad, and yet as with many things at the Magic Kingdom that were inspired by things at Disneyland, there are many significant differences. And so uh, 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 taking the uh, trip at uh, Magic Kingdom is really significantly different than the trip at uh, Disneyland. For, for one thing, there's different train stations. For, uh, for another, it's a, a different style of... Um, of uh, train, you know, and the interesting thing is too is that when Walt introduced, you know, this concept in 1955, which uh, you know, uh, 60 years ago, um, trains were actually pretty much dead. Uh, people were either doing uh, airplanes or cars uh, because airplanes, of course, were quicker, you know, and wouldn't make those frequent stops that, for instance, a, a, a train would. And as I said, we're, you know, boy, they'd get you there. Uh, and nowadays it's like almost teleportation. You're there. Or people were in cars because you had that uh, sense of independence. You know, w with a train, you were pretty much stuck with whatever that route was. So when Walt introduced this concept of uh, uh, trains at, at the park there, uh, he was actually capturing a memory that was already starting to fade in America. But I, I don't think a lot of people realize that Walt got this idea uh, from, uh, or one of the places he got this idea, Walt would pull from many different places to get ideas, was uh, the 1948 uh, uh, Chicago Railway Fair, because that was a place um, that looked like nothing else in the world, and there was a railroad around it. 
and uh, you took that train uh, basically for transportation to get to different areas so you didn't have to walk through this huge park space. Um, but also it gave you a chance to take a look around and see what was there. And uh, so Walt was inspired by that. At the Chicago Railroad Fair, there were actually little um, lands and towns. In fact, you could take the railroad and you could get off at uh, New Orleans French Quarter. And all of these little areas were, were sponsored by different railroad companies, and there were exhibits and food and beverage locations and uh, uh, attractions and, and, and the whole bit there. So I, I'm sure some of that gave Walt, um, you know, uh, the idea of, yes, let's, let's, let's get this and people will, will enjoy that. And, and at Disneyland, uh, there were only two train stations. There was the Main Street one and there was the Frontierland one. And if you got on at Main Street, there was a passenger car and it wouldn't stop at um, Frontierland. It would make that whole loop. And in Frontierland, if you got on, there were cattle cars. So you stood in these cars that had slats. You really were cattle, and you would look through the slats, and that would take that around. And, and again, Walt was using that to give people a chance, because nobody had ever seen a Disneyland before. This is what we're going to see. And so when Walt Disney World's uh, train opened in 71, there were only two stations. There was the the uh, uh, one at Main Street, and there was the one at, at Frontierland. And Frontierland is the one that had the um, uh, the water tower. Because, again, since these were running on, on diesel and uh, boiling the water for, for the steam, you know, you had to keep filling it up uh, – uh, with water. So well, when was the first time you ever rode the uh, Magic Kingdom Railroad? Well, so my, my first trip to Walt Disney World was in November of 71. And, you know, with not a lot to do in the Magic Kingdom, I could almost guarantee, although I don't remember being on the railroad itself. But, you know, when we were talking about it and you were talking about Disneyland and Walt, I, I want to take a step back before we get to Walt Disney World and okay. talk about really the genesis of the Disneyland Railroad, and then eventually to Walt Disney World. And people say, well, I know the story, Lou. I know the story about his miniature steam railroad in his backyard and, and the, the Carrollwood Pacific. But I think there's some really neat stories that not just start there, but even a lot earlier. Because I well, know well, even, even as early as he was a kid, Well, right? I was going to say, going back to, to when he was a kid, you know, there was a lot that uh, about railroading that really influenced Walt's life and Walt's work. And look, as his father, Elias, and his uncle, uh, Michael Martin, who was a steam locomotive engineer, he worked on the railroad. And he said, and, and I'm quoting Walt, he said, there was, there was, that was something to brag about, right? The fact that his uncle was a locomotive engineer, right? There was something exciting about it. That's what he was able to brag about to his schoolmates at a time when railroads loomed large in the scheme of things and steam engines were both formidable and exciting. And he liked it so much that for just a few months in 1916, he was a news butcher uh, back on the Missouri Pacific, Kansas City Southern, and Missouri, Kansas, Texas railroads. And actually his brother Roy, who was employed by the Fred Harvey sister system, was the one who suggested that he apply for the job. So he sold newspapers and candy and, and fruit and things like that. But he said, and, and, and while doing my research, 
I saw that he loved not just the, the trains, but he loved the uniform. He loved the, the whistles. He loved this idea of being able, like you said, to see the country, right? And again, I'm quoting Walt. He said, my railroad career was brief, exciting, and unprofitable. Too many people were eager to take advantage of a young businessman like myself. The suppliers, for example, would fill my hamper with rotten fruit. This drew so many flies that the conductor would make me dump it out, and I was stuck with the cost. Besides, I was only 15, and I ate most of my profits. So I quit at the end of the summer with losses that absorbed the $30 bond that he posted when he took the new job. But I think that really kindled this this romance of the live steam train that he had for the rest of his life. And if you think about even before he started the railroad in his backyard, how the train influenced him and, and how trains were an important part of what he did. You know the story of going on the railroad to New York in 1928 when, you know, he, he sent his brother Roy a telegram, it's going to be okay, and the idea for Mortimer slash Mickey was born. And even in business and his films, right, after Steamboat Willie debuted, in 1929, there was a short called Mickey's Choo Choo, and then you'd see it later on in Brave Engineer, Casey Jr., Dumbo, live action films like So Dear to My Heart. So he always sort of had this love of trains, and it transcended not just his business life, but his personal life. He had a table chop uh, model train in his office, and then as if that wasn't good enough, Jim, he's like, you know what? I think I need a bigger one in my backyard. <laughs> and oh, oh, the you know, support you're, of you're, wife. You're 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 right on the mark, Lou, with with uh, uh, all of this. And and as I said, by by fifty five, trains had, were dying out. But when when Walt was around, nineteen oh one, nineteen oh two, trains were the uh, main source of uh, of transportation. And you're right. There was was there there was that romance. Uh, of the the rails and yes uh, uh uncle mike uh, martin and here's something just exclusively for wdw radio uh, listeners you know everybody tosses these things around yes uncle mike martin and nobody ever thinks well how was mike martin related to this family obviously his last name wasn't disney he was elias's cousin walt's father's cousin and so uncle was sort of, you know, uh, sometimes you just Pseudo call uncle. uncles uncles <laughs> when there's no direct blood relationship. Yeah, and, and, and not only uh, was Mike Martin uh, apparently this very impressive physically looking figure, but, you know, he would, he would stop there in, in Marceline and he would always have a, a bag of penny candy for them and, and things like this. And you, we don't realize how impressive you know, these old steam locomotives were. I grew up in Glendale, California, so I got to go to Traveltown as a kid, you know, and, and climb on, on some of these things. These are huge metal beasts, you know. I, I, I can imagine seeing them at night with, with the light and the, the smoke and the sound. It, 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 it's like this monster, this dinosaur, you know. I, I, I can understand why, you know, you have um, some early accounts of, of Native Americans, you know, just being, you know, completely uh, awestruck by seeing these things come because they're so powerful. They're, they're so, and they're beautiful, too. They're beautiful. And, and the beautiful uh, detailing, especially around uh, 
this time at the the turn of the century and uh 1902 so walt isn't even is isn't even uh, one year old yet 1902 the um, baldwin locomotive works in um, uh philadelphia uh, uh were turning out and this really blew me away were turning out one hundreds of trains every single month in 1902. So the Baldwin, of course, Baldwin Locomotive uh, Works. Those are the the uh, the trains we've got running around uh, Walt Disney World. That's uh, you know some of them. One of them's from 1916, two from 1925, and the Lily Bell from 1928, the time when uh, uh, Mickey first premiered. But but when Walt was growing up, this was it. This was the way you know you went. And and as you were touching on. You know, it a, a train is what carried Walt from uh, you know Kansas City to Los Angeles. A, a train uh, from New York to California is where where Walt was developing the concept for for Mickey Mouse. You know, uh, so you're right. It had this this huge, huge, and you mentioned uh, Mickey's Choo Choo. Uh, the the funny thing at the end of that cartoon, of course, is the train is out of control and then it blows up. And so on, on the tracks, you know, uh, a, a couple of wheels fall on the track and then a platform falls on the track and then something else. And so Mickey and Minnie are actually on this little hand car at the very end. And that was the inspiration for the Lionel uh, train hand car that saved the Lionel company. That's where they got the design from <laughs> and why they came you know, of all the things to do, you've got the rights to Mickey Mouse. Why aren't you coming up with a Mickey Mouse engine? You come up with this little hand car. It, it's from the cartoon, Mickey's Choo Choo. And um, Walt loved Lionel trains. You know, he bought them for, you know, his nephew and uh, all of this. And he had a setup in, um, uh, you know, uh, his, uh, his offices. Uh, gosh, it was what, uh, 37, I think. Yeah. 1937, he, in his offices, he set up, you know, this whole Lionel train outfit and, you know, all the little uh, things, uh, around there. And, and then of course, as you mentioned, Carolwood Pacific. And why was it called the Carolwood Pacific, Lou? Because it's the only name his wife would allow him to have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because the house house where he bought it, it built it was on Carrollwood Drive and and so Carrollwood Pacific and it was also the Carrollwood Pacific uh, Pacific because you could use the CP initials because the Lily Bell uh which was the engine the name of the engine uh was based after a Central Pacific mm-hmm. engine and so, you know, uh, Walt was always looking for those, you know, little tie-ins and and uh, uh, things like that. And and of course, uh, Walt knew several people at the um, uh, the studio, his his studio, who were interested in trains. Um, well, you know some of them, right? Yeah, and actually, there's a uh, and I'll link to it in in the show notes. One of my very first interviews way back when was with Michael Brogy who mm-hmm. told stories, and just, I, I'd never heard these before, as a kid, going to, to Uncle Walt's house, even though he wasn't a, an uncle, 
Right. Because, you know, Ward Kimball and Ali Johnson and, and Roger Brokey were all these big train <laughs> enthusiasts. So he and sometimes his friends or, you know, Walt's daughters would be riding the train and helping Walt out with the train. And sometimes even, you know, shoveling and cleaning. And the way Walt would, and I loved when he told the story, the way Walt would reward them when they were done was there was a bar for the adults and there was a little ice cream sort of stand that he had. A sort of fountain, yeah. Yeah, and he would, and I'm like, do you hear what you're saying? That Uncle Walt was making you his special Sunday in his backyard after riding on his railroad? Like, did you have any idea what that experience was like? And you have to go back and listen to him tell that story and Jim it's interesting because I was joking around about Lillian because in, mm-hmm. in looking back you I found things that said how supportive Lillian was of Walt's hobby and maybe she wasn't so much so and what I really sort of and so there's a quote from Walt from a, a railroad magazine in October 1965 that said all my planning worked out perfectly except for one factor my wife she didn't take kindly to the idea of having a railroad run around a house, and she told me so in no uncertain terms. I could imagine how that conversation went. He said, things came to such a pass that I went to my lawyer and had him draw up a right-of-way agreement giving me permission to operate the railroad on the property. My wife signed it, and my daughters witnessed the agreement. <laughs> well, 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 see, part of the problem there was... Um, you know, and it's such a shame that the house doesn't exist anymore there. But uh, the house was almost like a sort of a horseshoe uh, uh, type shape, and um, the uh, room where Lillian liked to play, you know, bridge with her friends, had the these beautiful uh, glass windows looking out into her uh, uh, garden because she was uh, especially uh, uh, proud of her roses and all this. And she just did not want something dirty and smelly, you know, going by outside while she was there with, with her, her friends. And so, yeah, and, and so Walt specifically bought that piece of uh, land in the Holmby Hills uh, because he could see the possibilities of putting in that railroad there because there were, there were two levels. You know, so, so you could have a little canyon and, you know, do those things. Yeah, this was so, no joke. Uh, this was just not. This wasn't just a circle. Like there was a bridge and a trestle and, and a tunnel. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You you went over uh, Yensid Valley and and the whole bit. And and so the only way that he got the right of way from Lillian is he said, "I'll build <laughs> a tunnel underneath, you know, the 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 flower garden there." And of course, Walt being Walt, he built it as an S curve, and he did it as an S curve. So, because again, the the tunnel was going to be reasonably uh, 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 short, is so that when you went in, you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, so you didn't know how short or how long this tunnel was going to be. That that's Walt's storytelling, and uh, the uh, the contractor went to Walt and he says, uh, you know, it'd be cheaper if we just built it straight. And Walt said it'd be cheaper if we just didn't do it at all. He, <laughs> he said, just go ahead and do it, but don't tell me how much it's going to cost uh, for that to, to happen. And and yet, and in fact, that whole Carrollwood uh, uh, Pacific uh, uh, thing there um, uh, inspired that uh, Donald Duck cartoon, Out of Scale, with Donald Duck and uh, Chip and Dale, where Donald has his own little backyard uh, uh, miniature uh, railroad that was directly inspired by 
the the railroad that Walt had in in his backyard, and yet yeah, it was it was very uh, uh, elaborate, uh, you know, to to go through that, and then uh, different people he would give, um, you know, little uh, uh, cards, so they were vice president of the Carrollwood uh, uh, Pacific uh, Railroad, and uh, Harper Goff, a engineer, Harper uh, Garf Goff, who you know did the Jungle Cruise and. You know, uh, designed uh, you know the uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea, the Nautilus, uh, things like this. Uh, told a very funny story where he was uh, overseas and he had misplaced his passport, and he was in this foreign country and he was trying to get out of the foreign country and he you know doesn't have his passport and all that, and so he's going through his they're going through his wallet and they pull out his vice president of the Carrollwood Pacific card. <laughs> and because it was signed by Walt Disney, they allowed him to leave the country without a passport <laughs> because the name Walt Disney was, and, and the card looked so official, you know, there was, there, there was all this wonderful fine detailing and, and, uh, all of this on it. So, you it's know, funny, yeah, that, lot, that doesn't work of, now. My, my yeah. Tomorrowland Speedway driver's license does not help me when I get pulled over. So <laughs> someday I will be tall well, enough to maybe ride. Maybe one that of ride. these days it, it it will. If you get pulled over by the right guy, you get pulled over by a, a, a policeman who's a Disney fan. That might make a, a. Actually, he may want to save it for his collection. You right. know, they just so, know I'm not tall enough to reach the pedals, so it clearly must be a, a, a thing. So. But uh, you know, and um, Carrollwood Pacific only lasted. Uh, um, 1950 to 1953, and one of the reasons Walt closed up shop on that was, was again, you know, everybody in their uh, and and their neighbor were coming over into his backyard for this, and so it was getting, you know, out of control. And um, uh, one time the uh, uh, the Lily Bell went off the tracks and turned over on, on the side, and a little girl ran up. And she got, um, you know, a, a little burn from the, from the steam. You know, nothing nothing bad. You know, it's not a third degree burn or whatever. You know, you just get that little. Oh, wait, that's hot. And at that particular point, uh, Walt said, "Okay, yeah, uh, let's just box it up, take it to the studio." At one point, he was actually going to set it up at, at the studio, so that when people came to visit the studio, they could take a little Carolwood Pacific. You know run around there. And, uh, Bob Gurr told me that, uh, uh, for about 15 years, he was using the Lily bell as his, uh, footstool <laughs> underneath his desk <laughs> at work, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, eventually, uh, rehabbed it and was displayed at, uh, uh, Disneyland, uh, at the main street, um, uh, train station for many years. And then, uh, in 2000, uh, the Disney family, because again, it was owned by the Disney family, the Disney family reclaimed it, and now it's on exhibit at the Disney Family Museum at, uh, in San Francisco there. You know, wonderful dis display up there, so you can, can see all of that, except for two cars. And where are those other two cars from the Carrollwood Pacific? I know this one. <laughs> this one, I know that. And, and look, we've talked about this. We've actually done a show from mm -hmm. the Carrollwood Pacific Room, formerly known as the Iron Spike Room, 
over right. at the, the villas at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. You talk about an undiscovered, overlooked treasure of the park. It's mm-hmm. not just a place to go relax, but there, uh, it, it's a beautiful room. You can sort of relax and play chess, and there's a there's a fireplace there. But that's where you're going to find uh, the cattle car and the gondola, right? Right, and, and, and I believe those are the uh, two that Salvador Dali rode on. Because if you see the black and white photo, he's he's sitting on a cattle car, and and yeah, he's got his feet in the gondola in in, in front of him there. And Ward Kimball is at the helm on the the uh, engine there. But yeah, those are on loan from Diane Disney, and and again, those were cars that were personally built by Walt. Things that Walt had touched, and and again, you mentioned Roger Brogy. Uh, uh, earlier, a lot of people consider Roger, you know, the very first uh, Imagineer there, and again, the the father of Michael Brogy, and I would highly recommend, as I'm sure you would, Michael Brogy's book, uh, Walt Disney's uh, uh, Railroad Story. Yeah, absolutely. right. Which is absolutely. which is still, uh, I, I think it's in its millionth edition <laughs> and is still available from from Amazon. But that that really is the uh, Bible yeah. about. Uh, uh, Disney uh, and and the rails and uh, Michael has terrific stories in there and yeah I, Michael in person is a, is a terrific guy uh, uh, as well and has the uh, Carrollwood Pacific uh, runs the Carrollwood Pacific uh, Historical uh, Society that yeah. Yeah, and you can actually go to, you know, and, and I one of these days I'm going to do a show about the, the barn where you can go out mm-hmm. to the barn over with the uh, the Los Angeles Live Steamers over in, mm-hmm. um, in Griffith Park. So, and, and, and for those of you who aren't as uh, uh, up-to-date as Lou and I, uh, what happened is um, when they uh, sold uh, Walt's uh, house after Lillian uh, passed away, uh, the barn in the backyard, which Walt used to to build the Carrollwood Pacific, and and uh, it was also the control room, you know, to to run it and all that. That was relocated uh, to the live steamers uh, section at Griffith Park, and uh, it's opened, I believe, the the third the Sunday of each yeah. month. Uh, uh, where where you can go in and see that. Although, if you know somebody in the Live Steamers uh, uh, Society there, they can make arrangements to open it up uh, during the week for you as well there, too. And uh, they also have, uh, uh, I believe, uh, Ollie Johnson's uh, Victorian yeah. uh, train station, because uh, Ollie had a uh, railroad in, in his backyard, so... Yeah, I'll um I did a uh, we did a backstage magic tour a few years ago as as a group and one of the one of the highlights was being able to go to the barn and, and not to sort of go off on a tangent but I'm going to go off on a tangent. One of the things I, I loved about the barn was this the sense that you know we talk about where Walt walked in Disneyland. Right? This is where Walt like worked. This is where Walt enjoyed himself. Like almost 100% of the barn is original other than some some of the roof. But I, I remember the um the the sort of the the wash tub like the, the the sink where he washed his hands and he sharpened his pencils I'm like mm-hmm. this is where Walt like got himself he, he got his hands dirty and he did that thing that you know brought him such joy right and and that he loved doing so much that for me was one of the the chills up my spine thing was like this is where Walt washed his hands. This is where Walt, you know, sat and did the things that he. Lo- I know I'm a complete nerd, but well, 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 what sent a chill down my spine was when Michael uh, was standing there and he says, 
Well, see, and even that uh, mirror there, that that hanging mirror there, that that was Waltz. And I and I, and I'm going, yeah, that's nice. And he says, no, you don't realize that's the mirror that Walt looked in. So when you're looking in that mirror, <laughs> you know, Walt's image is still in there. So. <laughs> no, yeah, listen, I, I think you have to be there and really be a Walt aficionado to, to get that sense. And there's a miniature train that you can ride and sort of get the sense of what it was probably like to be on um, the Cowwood. But let's let's fast forward, right, because I think we, you talk about Walt's interest in the Cowwood waning a little bit. And I think it wasn't just because all of his friends and neighbors were coming over, but he loved this idea of that size train uh, but he liked even more having the full-size train that he was in the in the middle of building for the Disneyland Railroad, which was going to open with the park. And, and we all know the story about how, you know, when he was when he was building and he was designing the the, the park for Disneyland, he said, "Herbie, like w- this this needs to be surrounded by a train." Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And and in fact, if you take a look at. Uh Herb Ryman's uh, original uh, uh, sketch that he did in uh, uh, 1953, there's even the Carrollwood Pacific. If you look at the area uh, from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland, there was going to be an area which was called Lilliputian Land. Mm -hmm. And Walt was going to put the Carrollwood Pacific in that as well, you know. Um, So, you know, trains, always a a, a very uh, uh, significant part of uh, Walt's life. Walt loved riding on, on trains. Uh, you know, his wife, uh, uh, Lillian, said he, she always got worried because, you know, he could put, he'd, he'd put his uh, foot, this is something he did as a kid, too, put, it, put his foot on the rail or put his ear down to the, the rail so he could tell, you know, oh, yeah, there's a train a couple miles out. It's coming this way. I can tell by the vibrations and the 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 whole bit there and again uh for disneyland in walt's apartment above uh, uh the firehouse he kept uh overalls and he he, he kept a conductor's hat and a bandana and all that and one of the things that was just recently discovered this this last year when they were looking through uh a, a guy who worked for uh, uh retlaw because uh walt and retlaw is walt walter spelled backwards uh, Walt Disney owned the trains. He, he it was his own money that built the trains at Disneyland, and he owned the monorail and he owned uh, um, the art corner in Tomorrowland and all that. But uh, the trains in, in in particular, he owned. They've now been sold back to the Disney Company. But what would happen is um, between 1956 and 1958, and these are in the records there, and and nobody knew this for decades is that on Sundays, Walt would come and then at 2 o'clock would go and tap out the conductor because, again, the conductor was not being paid by Disneyland. He was being paid by Retlaw, which was Walt Disney, and Walt would be the engineer on the on the train there uh, for a, a couple of hours every Sunday between 1956 and 1958— and he and, 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 real quick, he and and how cool would it be to be tapped out by Walt Disney? But didn't um, because they worked for him, didn't he like he would physically sign their paychecks? Like the paychecks didn't come from Disneyland; they came from from yes, Walt. You are absolutely correct. And and in fact, you know the coaches uh, on the train were called um, 
they, well, uh, the first ones were called Retlaw One, and um, uh, they were, uh, you know, again, it was difficult because again, he designed it just like a real coach. So that, you know, you had to get in through, you know, the back door and walk down the aisle and, and the whole bit. And so by the time, because we're going to wrap this towards Walt Disney World again, by the time you got to Walt Disney World, it's like, that doesn't make sense. So we're going to make these excursion cars, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, people can just slide in, you know, six people, you know, to a row and whatever, and they're all facing in the in the in the right direction and and with that there is one set of cars at Walt excursion cars at Walt Disney World that are completely different than the other three sets ooh jim tell us tell us, tell us. <laughs> and 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 I, I i would suspect that most of you have seen them they only come out once a day only come out. Jim, tell us. It, it's it's that opening. The Lily Bell only comes out really once a day, unless there's a problem with another engine. So the Lily Bell has to be then cycled in. Right. Only comes out once a day. Comes out in the beginning for that opening ceremony in front of the train station, because those excursion cars are open on the other side. Oh right. right All the right. other excursion cars have that side panel. And so you have that open side, so again, the characters can come out and, you know, do that, that whole wonderful welcome uh, ceremony. But the Lily Bell is hooked up to those cars, so the Lily Bell only comes out once a day. And um, the Lily Bell, by the way, as, as we said, was built in uh, 1928, so the same year as uh, uh, Mickey Mouse, and the Lily Bell was the very first Walt Disney car uh, train engine that was refurbished and delivered to the park. Yeah, and, and sort of just quickly going back a little bit, you know, and being first delivered to the park, this really was the first attraction that was ready to go, that was completed for Walt Disney World. But I think how the trains got there is interesting, Jim, because I think a lot of people just assume that these are new trains built by a magic. Well, it was just magic, them. right? Right. They just, they just sort of appear there. But I love the story. Well, well, the first two trains at Disneyland were actually built. The the C.P. Ripley and, um, no, the E.P. Ripley and the C.K. Holiday. Uh, they were actually built. And, in fact, the C.K. Holiday was uh, uh, built as a um, duplicate of the, the Lily Bell, the Carrollwood Pacific one, because it was so detailed and was so perfect and all that. They use that as the blueprint. In fact, there is even a very famous picture of Walt uh, um, leaning up against the engine. And if you look very closely, it's actually a picture of the Lily Bell that has been enlarged, and Walt has been cut and pasted into that picture. <laughs> but it still works because it was the exact same as that. And um, But by the time they got to Walt Disney World, they go... You know, it really doesn't seem to make sense to be building these engines. I'm sure that there are engines that exist somewhere. So they started to look for engines, and where did they find them, Lou? So, again, this is 1969. They end up in Mexico. They end up at the United Railways of Yucatan and mm -hmm. transport these uh, train uh, engines 
to Florida, and then it takes about two years, and they go from what were, were probably, you know, out of service, um, probably not as as pristine as they look now, into these Victorian era trains that look like, like you said, look like they were probably built like they were for Disneyland. Yeah, and and for those who are as as geographically challenged as I am. Uh, Yucatan is is actually a pe- peninsula. So when you you see Mexico right down there towards the end of Mexico, and it sort of uh, curves up into the Gulf of Mexico there, that that's the Yucatan uh, Peninsula. And we were talking about the uh, uh, Baldwin uh, Locomotive Works uh, and making these hundreds of engines. They made uh, hun- hundreds of different types of engines. And so there was a particular engine that they uh, would use to, for instance, haul uh, uh, sugar cane. And, and not just in foreign countries, but uh, in Louisiana, a lot of Baldwin locomotives and all that. So anyway, Roger, Roger Brogy's taking a look around because at this particular point, 1969, as, as Lou saying, a, a lot of these uh, engines are no longer uh, in use because, you know, uh, uh, burning wood, burning coal, you know, uh, things like this. This is outdated, and it's becoming expensive. So in Mexico, yeah, they, they found a whole railroad that was basically being mothballed uh, for new ones. So they went down there, and they purchased um, four uh, engines uh, for $8,000 each. And as they were about to go, they noticed that there was this um, other engine that was uh, up on blocks, you know, on, on display out in front of this municipal building. And so tentatively they asked, well, h- how much would it be to get that? Because they were thinking, well, this has been up on blocks and all this. So, you know, it probably hasn't seen an awful lot of use. This is probably, you know, a, a great shape engine and all that. And the Mexican government said, oh, 750 bucks and you can have that, <laughs> you know, but you have to remove it off of the blocks right. and all that, you know, so they did. And, and then what's really funny, Lou, is they brought it back because they moved these over to the Tampa, uh, you know, for them to be, um, to be refurbed. And uh, they found out that the worst engine they bought was that one. It was completely unusual unusable you know you could so they sold it to a collector in in uh, california and then uh, supposedly now it's scrapped somewhere but anyway they had these engines and then Brogy looked around and he saw in the corner they had all these bells and and whistles and molding and um he says uh, and uh, uh what do you intend to do with those and and they said Oh, if you want to take those, go ahead. You know, we're just going to throw them all away. <laughs> and so they loaded up uh, over half of a train car just with these authentic, you know, bells and whistles and molding and, and, and other things, you know, that were later used for the rehab. Now, Brogy's idea was you were going to take these engines and you were going to put them on sort of rafts type thing, you know, onto a ship more or less. And, you know, then take it straight across to Florida because you see where the Yucatan Peninsula is and take it straight across. And then he found out that it was cheaper just to put them on railroad cars and ship them that way. It was longer, but it was cheaper. And so he phoned, you know, for some American railroad cars to come down so they could, and the Mexican government 
went insane. <laughs> and, and, and they said, what, do you think we don't have good railroads? <laughs> and, and so what they had to do is that they had to load them on Mexican railroad cars. And um, the Mexican government included uh, uh, two or three guards with shotguns so that as these were traveling, nobody would bother the trains or, you know, try to take anything off of the train or whatever, and uh, then take them up to the uh, American border, and then they got, you know, transferred over, and then they got taken down to Tampa, which um, a lot of people don't realize, like in 1969 and all that, um, Florida wasn't really very civilized, (laughs) you know, in terms of having businesses and, and places that could do stained glass for Cinderella's Castle and all that. Uh, but Tampa had the, had this shipyard that was, you know, large enough that they could handle these trains. And so, you know, they're, they're redoing the trains. And as you said, there's an awful lot of the original material on the trains, but there was also an awful lot that was um, uh, redone, like the boilers and, and things like this, so that... Um, you know, again, for safety reasons, but also, uh, you know, this is going to make them more efficient. This is, you know, going to make this run more smoothly, uh, the whole bit. And so, and so there were four of them. Now, two of them were uh, twins. Uh, they, uh, uh, it, it, the ones we know now as, as the Walter Disney and the, and the uh, Roger Brogy, they were twins. They have sequential uh, numbers. So one was made right after the other at the Baldwin uh, Locomotive Works in 1925. And so they were going to name them the Walter Disney and the Roy O. Disney because they were exactly the same and all of that. And the person who stopped that was Roy Disney. He says, I do not want my name on that engine. I do not want to be compared, you know, with, with my brother and the magnificent things that, that he did and all of that. So, so the twins were going to be the Walter Disney and the Roy Disney, and Roy stepped in and said, no, that's not going to happen. Now, now people say, well, but wait, there is a Roy O. Disney uh, engine. Yeah, that was the fourth one. It wasn't there when the park opened in October 71, it was still being rehabbed and it was unnamed. It was only after Roy passed away in December, unfortunately, uh, that the work on the engine was finished. And then the company decided to name it the Roy O. Disney because Roy was, was so humble. He was not going to have a, a, something with his name on it running around uh, the Magic Kingdom because it was his brother's dream. So I want to ask you a question specifically about the Roy Disney, right? It, it's it's unique for a couple of reasons, right? It's the only American-style engine that was there. Right, but built in 1916. That's the question, right? So we've always, the, as, you know, the, the, the trivia question we always ask is, what is the oldest attraction in Walt Disney World? We always say it's, well, Prince Charming Regal Carousel, built in 1917 by the Philadelphia Toboggan Company, are we not wrong, Jim Corcus, and is not the railroad because the Roy O. Disney was built in 1916? Except for the fact that um, the, the little loophole there is that um, uh, there were more extensive changes 
to the locomotive engine than there was to the carousel. The, the carousel, most of the changes were uh, cosmetic, you know, uh, 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 chipping away, you know, back down to the original wood, you know, chipping off the paint and, and you know, doing the little, uh, 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 what do I want to say, the, the upper paintings so that it represented uh, uh, Cinderella and all that, whereas with the um, uh, Royal Disney, you know, the entire boiler was, was redone. Uh, things were added uh, to it. But, yes, uh, I, I would say, well, you're the one with the, the legal background. <laughs> and this is why I don't practice <laughs> you, law You anymore. would say, yes, but it's, it, yes, even though work was done on it, it's, it's 1916, so that speaking, really should be right. the oldest thing in the park. I, um, <laughs> this is why I'm not a lawyer anymore, you see? <laughs> Boy, we really are Disney geeks, aren't yeah, I we? I know. I just painted myself into a corner. So I guess and, that's and, subject and, to interpretation. And, well, and, and again, too, uh, you, you can also say uh, the carousel was the uh, uh, oldest uh, thing at the park that was originally there in October okay. 1971. That's, the, that's how we get around it. On opening day, what was the oldest attraction in Walt Disney right. World? Uh, uh, for for that uh, uh, to happen, so 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 that's fun. But but again, you know, the trains themselves are are just fun. And and you're right, the the sound, you know, the the feel of that. And and one of the things that happens at Walt Disney World that um, uh, you can't do at Disneyland is at Disneyland. I've taken you know the last trip around the park at night. Right. Um, you know, on, on the train. And, and just as a rule of thumb, you should always check with cast members and all this, but just as a rule of thumb, usually the train start, stops running about an hour before the park closes, you know, because that also helps, you know, evacuate people from the park there. But at Walt Disney World, if you take the last uh, trip around the park, it stops at the um, uh, Toontown Station there. Because, uh, and, and you get off, so you have to walk from the Toontown Station back down to Main Street and get out. The reason is, is because it stops there so that at that point it can back up. And it then backs up on the track uh, down towards um, the uh, Roundhouse, which is behind the uh, uh, Magic Kingdom there, behind... Uh, you know, Cinderella's uh, castle. And the roundhouse also houses uh, uh, the monorails on the upper level. But the train, yeah, backs up. So you get, you know, taken off the train, but you can stay there for a couple of minutes and you can watch as they, you know, do all of this and uh, uh, send it back down the track backwards to, to go. So it'll be set in the morning to head facing out because even though it's called a roundhouse, it doesn't have the, uh, uh, turntable right. in there, you know? Um, so yeah, so uh, you, you back up and everybody thinks the engineer is the guy in charge and it's not, it's the conductor because the conductor is the one who tells the engineer, yes, start the train. <laughs> yes. Back it up this way. Yes. You know, uh, do all of that. But, but again, you're also right. It's a different experience at night riding the train as, as it is uh, uh, during the day. And, and by the way, all of you who are listening to this 
uh, podcast and go, yeah, next time I go out to Walt Disney World, I'm going to I'm gonna go on that uh, uh, train. I would also suggest signing up for the uh, Behind the Steam um, uh, backstage tour because uh, in that, they, they will back up uh, – uh, the train so you can uh, get into the uh, roundhouse back there and and uh, go around. But, uh, you know, at uh, Walt Disney World, there are different stations. At, uh, at Disneyland, there's a Tomorrowland station. But out here at Walt Disney World, there's the um, Fantasyland uh, station there in Toontown. And, and that's because, as I said, when Walt Disney World opened in 71, you had the train station on uh, Main Street, and you had the train station in Frontierland, and you had the water tower. I like the fact that but, you still call it Toontown, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I still call it Disney MGM Studios. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, the Fantasyland sta- station over there, uh, it's because uh, Mickey's uh, Birthday Land came up in uh, uh, 1988, right? Mickey's 60th right. birthday. So they, they had a special train station, so you could hop on the train, Mickey's Birthday Land Ex- Express, to go there. And, and so in 1988, you've, right. you've got this new t- train station, and, and, and you go there, and then, you know, it continues to develop. And then when you're talking about, what, Splash Mountain in 1990, 1990, 1990 right? right. Uh, you know, the uh, Frontierland station is, you know, being torn apart. Which was not but, very much of a station. It, it was a very, I mean... Compared to what it is now, it was a very small sort of nondescript building. It was intimate, intimate. charming. (laughs) It sat very lonely at the end of of Frontierland there uh, for a while. Well, because all of that area, they were going to build Thunder Mesa, right? Right. The the and uh, all of that. I'm sure you've done a show on that. (laughs) And um, so you know, you should always go back and check. These shows um, uh, that uh, Lou does. Lou's shows are not just only entertaining, they're also very informative. They're one of the uh, uh, best places where you can find information on, on Disney history. And one of the advantages and it was that you can download these shows so that as you're, you're driving to school or as you're jogging, uh, you know, or whatever you you can be listening to these these things and it, it's very entertaining and it makes the time you know just just split. But yeah, the original Frontierland uh, uh, station there was uh, yes, very <laughs> very small. And uh, and we actually you, did... you got off and and there was nothing there, you know. And uh, but but when Splash Mountain was was being built, um, basically what they had to do was. Uh, uh, they had to relocate the water tower, so they relocated it over to the the one in Fantasyland. And for a while, you know, the uh, while Splash Mountain was being built, uh, literally the train uh, would go um, uh, would back up from the Main Street station to the Fantasyland station, and then go go forward from there. So and that was actually. Make they actually sort of promoted that. Like, you could ride the rails in reverse. That was like, yes. it was like a new different type of attraction for you. See? Disney history. Disney history <laughs> coming alive. How many of you people, 
even remember that that, that little uh, publicity blurb there. Yeah. For, and we for actually that did. I'll I'll, uh, I'll link in the show notes. We actually did an entire show about Mickey's birthday land, and we talked a lot about the, yes, uh, the trains and the train station. Oh, we've so. talked about so many things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at, at at first I'm in awe hearing the sound of my own voice, and then it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But 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 again, you know, uh, uh, I know that there are many of you who uh, listen to to Lou regularly. But but go back into his archives and and thank heavens that that he keeps those um, uh, viable, so you can go back. Now, how many shows have you done now? Well, <laughs> technically, I, I we're up to in WWE Radio. We've done I've done three hundred ninety. Five shows, but that doesn't include all the newscasts, and it doesn't right. include the nearly hundred that I did for Mouse Tune. So I've probably done close now, to. Now, are you going to do thousand. something special for the four hundredth? Of course, I am. I haven't quite figured oh. it out. I mean, it's a big surprise. <laughs> do you big have something planned, or, oh, yeah. or or is this something that people should do in the show notes? It's going to be. Is they huge. should suggest what you should do for the four hundredth. I will, uh, Jim. I. It seems like it was yesterday that you were actually at the celebration of our 200th show back at Ariel's over at the Beach Club. Remember that? Oh, my God. Yeah. I, 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 I was so young. <laughs> I, 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 had, I had more hair and less belly. Yes, I remember that. 200 weeks ago. 200 <laughs> weeks ago. Gosh, all of a sudden we feel older than we did when we first started. And we're yeah. talking about how old we are. But, uh, yeah, so but, I, but I would... anyway, back to the Walt Disney yeah, World yeah, yeah. Railroad. Uh, there, there's a wonderful tour that you can take, which, which is good. And, and the train itself is, is just a, a wonderful uh, uh, experience. And, and one of the little uh, uh, surprises, too, is after you pass um, uh, Frontierland, if you look over towards the left, it used to be so rich. But unfortunately, the hurricanes and all have changed this. But it, it used to be so rich with uh, trees and things like that. But there are actually buildings, working buildings behind there, but they were, were painted sky blue so that if you look through the trees, it looked like you were just looking on through infinity. You know, now, unfortunately, with some of the trees down and all that, you can actually see some of the buildings now, but uh, they're still painted sky blue, but, but that's uh, uh, over there. And I will tell you that since Storybook Circus has come in and they have refurbished and rethemed the train station there, I think it is just, uh, dare I say, some of the most beautiful restrooms and train stations in the park. But I love how, uh, again, the, the Imagineers are still nostalgic because the train station technically is the Storybook station at Carrollwood Park. Right, they mm-hmm. get they go into this whole backstory. I wonder about, where they got the name Carol. I wonder, from. right? But the Casey <laughs> Junior train brought a circus to Carrollwood Park. The sort of on the the outskirts of town. It, it pays homage to the railroad and, and the street that Walt lived on. There's amazing details there. I have to do a video or, or a DSI just uh, of that too. But if you look really carefully. Um, on the clock, you'll see the Cowwood Park, which is sort of the Cowwood Pacific logo that's in there as well. That again, we talk about people looking up and, and potentially missing mm-hmm. that little detail. You're you're absolutely right. I, I tell people that when Disney does something right, they really do it right, and I would agree with you that that is an absolutely beautiful uh, train station, and and all the little touches of detail and all that. It, you can tell that an awful lot of thought, uh, you know, 
uh, was put into that area, and and it, it's a it's a well, and it's a much beautiful location than what was there before, which was just pretty much you know a metal queue line. Right, which is supposed know, to be so you, temporary. We talked about this. You know, Toontown, uh, Birthday Land was supposed to be temporary. So they just mm-hmm. sort of threw something up relatively quickly and they put the water tower there, never thinking that, you know, how many years later it's still going to be here. You would think Disney would learn, you know. <laughs> the hat is only temporary. It's not going to be here for 13 years. Which uh, actually, the, the funny thing about that is the park was only open for 12 years before the hat was there. So the hat's been there longer. Yeah. Than than when it was without that. For many people, that's what they remember. That's what they grew up with. But listen, let's get back to the train. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, We're we're back on board. All right. uh, We're steaming up. We are steaming. And and look, you know, one of the things, too, about this is when you talk about attractions that, that, that change over the years, you know, this this attraction really hasn't changed very much. Like they didn't really need to do, they they, they modified the cars a little bit for the, the PA system and to stop people from sticking their legs out. And the field, yeah, the field has changed. Right, but you know, for the most part, the 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 attraction itself really hasn't changed. And and going back to I think why there's this affinity for it is, like for me, it, it's just it's the 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 views and the vistas that you can't get anywhere else, right? There, there are some elements that you can only see from the train itself. Look, I love going on it to seeing the, the Native American camps and the animals and the views of Big Thunder and, Mountain and, and, and the Tumbleweed. little peak into Splash Mountain and, and see the zippity-doo-dah uh, steamboat in there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and yes, you're absolutely right. And bringing this uh, full circle from where we started, uh the Walt Disney World Railroad is a classic, and it hasn't become a relic yet. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't need to, right? It doesn't need to change at all. No. Um, because, of, because it, like I said at the beginning, it, it really does define what a classic is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a great story. And look, like what Walt wanted it to be, it's a phenomenal storytelling device. And, and, and I think Walt would have loved it. And I think... You know, uh, oftentimes it's hard to say, you know, well, what would Walt think about this or whatever? I, I think he would have loved the trains at um, Walt Disney World, and I think he would have spent an awful lot of time on that. And so when you're boarding those trains, um, you're you're really sharing in, in, in Walt's spirit. And as, as we've mentioned in, in this show, a spirit that really goes back to when he was born in 1901. You know, uh, his, his his real love and fascination of of steam trains, you know, continued through his whole life, and he obviously wanted to share that experience, and he has. He he, he shared it with uh, generations who uh, uh, hadn't even been born when uh, Walt passed away. And I think too, this is one of those attractions. You know, let's talk about the ride itself. It's one of those attractions that begins long before you actually step foot into the ride vehicle, right? Because you can see the train as you come in. You hear the train whistle. You hear the bell, and there's something very comforting about that. But take the time as you go into... Look, the the Main Street Railroad Station 
is an attraction in and of itself. Oh, beautiful. There's beautiful. great details in the Frontierland station. I'm going to shamelessly plug. If you if you download my uh, audio tour of Main Street USA, we spent a lot of time really walking you through some of the great details that you can see, you know, including the, the maps of the railways and, and things about Walt. And, and the I love the, the bulletin where it has a lot of references to Kimball Canyon and Harrington Hills, and we explain what those are. But I think that the station itself, that the Victorian era station, is beautiful and just replete with detail and story as well. And, and Lou, thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity to talk about uh, uh, the trains, because I love them uh, dearly. And uh, uh, speaking of things I love, I also love uh, books that I've written for <laughs> Theme Park Press. Look at that, that segue. That you can so find seamless. at uh, com or uh, on Amazon. And, in fact, the two latest books out are uh, uh, Vault of Walt, Volume 3, which is the latest in the uh, uh, series, and also a book called Animation Anecdotes, because I'm also a, an animation historian. I, I wrote for Animation Magazine for a decade out in California, and so this includes little uh, short uh, stories and uh, quotes uh, from people who worked on uh, classic animation. In fact, there's uh, uh, 35 pages devoted just to uh, Disney uh, uh, stories, um, and little oddball things that Disney animators would do and all of that. And yes, indeed, I am currently at work on even a new book, which I hope to have out by uh, this summer, and I hope to have Vault of Walt 4 out by this uh, this fall. And uh, I think um, at the pace that I'm going, I'll still beat uh, Lou from getting out his third <laughs> trivia book. Well, which... game on. Game on, brother. Now that's it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted there. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down. And, and and if you haven't bought Lou's first two trivia books, go out and make sure you add those uh, uh, to your library. I have them in, in my library, and uh, they're both autographed, and uh, they are both treasures. And Lou himself is a, uh, is a, a Disney uh, treasure, and Lou, again... Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you very much, Jim. And, and you very much, if I am a little treasure, you very much are, are like the, the number four engine on the Walt Disney World Railroad. You're a big old <laughs> machine. You just keep plugging along, baby. So. <laughs> the little engine that could. There you go. Thanks very much, Jim. We definitely have to do this again soon. Okay. Thank you, Luke. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see and sometimes even in what you hear. You can then enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I was talking about the Tri-Circle D Ranch at Disney's Fort Wilderness, where we celebrated our eighth anniversary, and the beautiful yet often overlooked Dragon Calliope that can be found at the Horse Barn. And your question was to tell me, what Disney feature film was that Dragon Calliope found in? And again, thanks to the hundreds of you that entered and got this one correct, 
because it was, of course, Toby Tyler. And bonus points, not that there was any points being given out, but it was also used at the Mickey Mouse Club Circus Parade at Disneyland back in the 1950s. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and that winner is going to get all six of my virtual audio walking tours of the park, a copy of my 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book, and an item from my personal Disney collection, which I've been purging up on eBay recently. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Karen Sousa. So, Karen, please send me your address. I'll get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So since we're talking about the railroad, I thought I would give you a Walt Disney World Railroad-themed question. And this week, it's pretty simple, and I'm going to give you a hint. Because back when the old A through E ticket books were used at Magic Kingdom, what attraction coupon did you need to ride the Walt Disney World Railroad? And here's your hint. There's actually two right answers to this question. Because at one point, it used a certain level ticket coupon and then moved to a different level. I'll take either. I'll take both. Again, you're playing for all the audio tours, the 102 Ways book, and another item from my personal collection. You have until Sunday, February 2nd at 11.59 p.m. to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Also, I want to say big thanks to everybody who's rated and reviewed my 102 Ways to Save Money for that Walt Disney World book over at Amazon.com, including Britt Steiger and T-Bone 66. To find out more and order your copy, you can visit Disney102.com. Also, in addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe over on iTunes, please join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live. I do a live video broadcast an interactive chat where you can be part of the conversation about this week's Walt Disney World news and then ask me anything in the lightning round. Again, that's every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at wdwradiolive.com. Also, while you're on the site, check out the blog, videos, newsletter, and the free app for your mobile device. You can follow me over on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello, facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. You can follow my personal profile there and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio. If you have a question you want answered on the air, you can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 or email me, lou at wdwradio.com. And of course, you know I believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug, which is why I do events every month in Walt Disney World and other special events like our yearly cruise. This year, we are going to Alaska on the Disney Wonder this June. And next year, I just announced last week that we will be celebrating the ninth anniversary of WDW Radio on one of the very special Star Wars cruises on the Disney Fantasy. That's going to be February 6th through the 13th, 2016. To find out more and get a free no-obligation quote, you can visit wdwradiocruise.com. If you are coming to Walt Disney World, I've set up our next two meets of the month. The next is going to be Saturday, March 7th at Disney's Animal Kingdom at the Yak and Yeti Outdoor Seating Area from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then in April, we're going to meet on April 25th, just a few days before Avengers Age of Ultron hits theaters. Yes, I am that excited. So we're going to have a pre-Age of Ultron shawarma meet over at the Tangerine Cafe in Morocco in Epcot. Again, that's Saturday, April 25th. 
To find out more, visit the events page at www.radio.com. And I also am going to be doing other meets and other events, not in a Walt Disney World, on the road. I'm speaking at a number of conferences and consulting to some businesses and schools. This year, I'm going to be in San Diego, Las Vegas, Fort Worth, and a few other destinations to be announced soon. Uh, to find out more, visit lumangelo.com. And if you want some help building your brand or your business and turning your passion into your profession with mentoring or group coaching or consulting to your business, again, visit lumangelo.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider for a lot of reasons, not only because it's who I've used for almost a decade, but because I know I'm going to get the best rate and any available discounts. It's going to cost me nothing to use their services, but most importantly, I know the level of personal attention that I and every one of their clients gets. For more information, visit mousefantravel.com. And to subscribe and order back issues of Celebrations Magazine, you can visit celebrationspress.com. And speaking of thanks, I cannot express enough my sincere gratitude to everybody who has been a charter member of WDW Radio Nation and helped support the show through a wide variety of contributions. I want to start by saying thanks to just some of the contributors like Todd Braun, Nicholas Menard, Frank Ashley and Little Frankie, Sue and the rest of the past hours, Chris O'Keefe, Terry Gaff, Michael Kell, Courtney Gross, Rob Ruiz, Gary Cirilli, Christabel Talavera, Alex Beavis, Corey Hall, Josh Danzig, Joy Johnson, Michael Wolf, Joseph Metz, Chris Alger, Dominic Gallo, Matt Madsen, Jess Cooper, Matthew McCabe, and there's a lot more. I promise I'll be thanking you guys on future shows. I sincerely appreciate your support and, more importantly, your friendship. If you want to find out how you can be part of WW Radio Nation and receive some of the benefits and rewards like the scavenger hunts and custom magic band covers and all the downloads and logo gear, special care packages, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com slash support. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word, right? Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links and comment over on Facebook. And please, most importantly, Go by, rate and review the show over on iTunes. We have more than 930 reviews so far. Would love to get to 1,000 five-star reviews. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Mackie1024, Chris Cavs, Newcourt, Tuba Chick Pam, and Bub Inc. To find out how to rate and review the show, I have instructions and a direct link by visiting www.radio.com slash iTunes. And finally, and really most importantly, my thanks again goes out to each and every one of you for allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you in so many other ways. And I would love to see and love to be able to help you do the same. And at the very least, what I want you to remember is that success and success to me is measured not in dollars and cents, but in levels of happiness. That level of success doesn't come from giant leaps, but from a series of small steps always taken in the right direction. Stay consistent Take small steps every day towards where you want to be and always keep moving forward. I hope you guys have an amazing week this week. So until next time, thanks again. Have a great week. See ya. Hey, Lou. Um, this is Brian from Rockford, Illinois. And um, I just wanted to call real quick. And um, I was just I just listened, listened to uh, your latest podcast, the uh, celebrating the, the eight years of WDW Radio, and um, I, I was listening to the part about uh, 
the Ridley Pearson interview on the cruise and, uh, you know, how he kind of turned the tables on you and uh, wanted to ask you questions. And you had said, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear my story. And then I got to tell you, you couldn't be further from the truth when you said that. Um, because hearing your story has motivated me, you know, probably more than you'll ever know. Um, I may not ever get a chance to meet you personally or shake your hand or get that hug, but I've been listening to your show um, since the beginning, since 2005. I mean, I've been listening to you for a long time. And in the last 10 years, I've been stuck in a job doing something that I really don't enjoy. But it pays the bills and it puts food on the table for my wife and kids. But I'm just not happy. And I listen to your show every week. I read your tweets. I read your posts on Facebook. Continually telling us to follow your dreams, follow your heart, take the leap, have faith, you know, trust in yourself, and things will happen, you know. And so I want you to know that because of you and because of your encouragement and because of your show and the things that you you share with us as your listeners, um, I've decided to, I'm not quitting my job, but I'm, I've, my dream has always been to be a teacher. And um, I've taken the steps. I have an appointment in a week to meet with an advisor to look at my transcript to tell me what I need to do to pursue that dream. Um, I know you see, it probably sounds silly, but I do feel a connection when listening to you talk. Um, I remember years ago when you lost your dad to cancer. Uh, and not too long after that, uh, the same thing happened to me. My dad had was diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, he fought really hard, but he, he didn't make it. Um, I just wanted to say that I've been listening to you for more than eight years. I've appreciated everything that you've done and everything that you continue to do for the community, for um, for Disney fans and people like me. Um, I commute every day an hour both ways, and I'm always listening to your show. I've listened to many shows two, three times over again, and um, for me, it's a, it's a great escape because I get to think, I get to hear about things, from, you know, the, the thing that I am passionate about. And um, so thank you. I appreciate everything you do, Lou. Um, I do hope that one day I'm in the Magic Kingdom, I'm able to buy you a popcorn and give you a hug and say thanks. So uh, thanks, Lou. See ya. You've 